Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Just want to take a moment again to honor the Bethel team and uh, Leslie Crandall, who's with us today and is going to share. And... You know, during worship, the Lord really spoke to me from uh, Romans 1.11. And I know this is the heart that the, the whole Bethel team and, and Leslie carries. It's Paul speaking to the Roman church, For I long to see you, they may, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and of me. So... Church, I, I want you to prepare your hearts because there's an impartation that you will receive by faith, a part of the, the culture that Bethel carries because we're all part of the body of Christ. Each, each part of the body of Christ has a unique gift and, and function that feeds the whole body. And we need to open our hearts to receive that so that the body may be healthy. And uh, so we're going to open our hearts. Leslie, I'm so honored to have you with us. Mariah has a personal relationship with Leslie, and I want to give her the opportunity just to to introduce Leslie. Thank you. Thanks. Um, You can come. You can come on up here. Thank you, Pastor Bo. Um, So this woman you are about to receive from um, speaks with so much conviction um, and belief that what she's talking about is actually going to happen in your life. Um, And so I just wanted to honor her really quick. I had the opportunity to go to Bethel and I lived in um, Reading for a long time. And this woman has become a mother to me, um, one of my spiritual mothers. And I honestly wouldn't be, I can promise you 100% would not be here today Um, maybe not even burning 10 years later um, after Bethel um, without this woman's belief in me. And she actually allowed me um, to see what it was like to actually be vulnerable with leadership and be taken care of by people. And that has created a ripple effect in my life and in other relationships. So I wanted to give testimony to that, but also just honor you in front of everyone and say, I love you so much and I want to pray for you. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So if everyone can extend your hands, please. <laughs> God, I thank you for this powerhouse of a woman. I thank you, God, for what she carries. I thank you, God, that when she releases your word, God, eyes are open to see who you are for real. Um, in reality, ears are open to hear the gospel and the good news and hearts are open to receive the love of Christ. So I pray now that her words that she speaks would be like arrows, flaming arrows, piercing hearts of every single person in this room and that's watching on YouTube and that will listen to this message in the future. God, I thank you that what she has to deposit in this house specifically is for today. And I thank you, God, that the fruit that it'll produce will echo for generations to come. So God, would you bless her? And as she pours out, would you also fill her up with your Holy Spirit just to overflow in Jesus' name? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. you. I received that. Receive all of it. I love Mariah so much. I love my students back there. Love you guys. Honestly, I'm so proud of Mariah. She just is one of those special humans that you get the privilege to pour into uh, who actually believes your belief. It's really hard to love somebody who won't accept the love. But Mariah took that love and she ran with it. I'm just so proud of her. And Pastor Bill and Pastor Tammy, where I don't know where your wife is. She's probably doing something, right? I think she runs this place. But and, and Colt, Pastor Colton and Pastor Richie, just all the team that have uh, brought us in and we've partnered together with Bethel this last week. Oh, this, this church has a special DNA of family uh, that is rare. And I, I travel, I, I preach at churches, I preach at Bethel Church, and uh, 
And uh, I would say that the DNA of a mother and a father raising up sons and daughters and giving permission and giving space for the next generation is the strategy of heaven. If, if we're going to actually become uh, church history makers, we have to be intentional with raising up the next generation. And this is what you're doing. I can see there are people from all different backgrounds and age demographics and different life um, in this place, and that is a true picture of the body of Christ, and I'm just so blessed to be here. I'm also an East Coaster. If you were at the conference, raise your hand. Yes, so you, most of you were there. Awesome. Well, I, Tammy told me it was the largest event Manhattan's had since the pandemic, and it was a stake in the ground of this land is for revival. This land is for an awakening. So that felt really significant to be at the Salvation Army uh, building. Um, William and Catherine Booth are actually heroes of mine, so me and my husband, and so it's really special to be able to be in that place. We love uh, history, so I'm from Pennsylvania. How many of you have ever been to Lancaster? Yes. Come on. I know what you're thinking right now. I went to Lancaster Mennonite High School. Um, <laughs> so good. Sight and sound. Um, yes, I know. We could just, you know, those big smorgasbords they have in Lancaster. Uh, I wasn't born Mennonite. My father was a Catholic, uh, born and raised Catholic. My mother was born and raised Presbyterian. And so when they got married, I was first baptized in, in the Catholic Church as an infant. And uh, my parents then decided to become Methodist, to make no one happy. So, <laughs> you know, my dad was Catholic, my mom was a Presbyterian. So I got saved at five um, at a little Methodist church and was raised there for a while. And then my father went on a journey, as some of you might be on that journey right now, of discovering the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, and he got uh, wrecked by Jack Hayford's ministry. Yeah, and uh, Jack Hayford. And, um, and we discovered there was this large Mennonite church that was actually a spirit-filled Mennonite church in Lancaster called Hopewell. And they had planted several other um, churches. And so we started going to this charismatic Mennonite church. I mean, I'm like the most multi-denominational person I know. <laughs> so... Um, can celebrate the backgrounds of the body of Christ and the uniqueness that they bring. Uh, my Catholic grandmother loved Jesus till her final breath last year, 98 years old. So she was an amazing woman of God who loved God and uh, loved the Catholic Church and served the Catholic Church her whole life. So I really honor just history and uh, what God can do through family. Yeah. Amen. I'm with family, really. I'm a missionary to California. <laughs> I remind myself every time I want to run away. So, <laughs> especially the last couple years. But honestly, I feel so uh, welcomed and excited for what God is doing on this land. Um, if you were there, you, you know that I've traveled all over. I love New York. I love uh, my uncle owns a property up upstate um, Corning. He was an engineer for Corning in New York, so traveled back and forth from New York as a child a lot of my life and um, all over the East Coast. So deep passion, deep roots in this, in this region. And what I sense the Lord doing is we are preparing. Amen? We are really preparing. And uh, I think the beauty of sometimes um, tragedy, like Chris said, it can break you or bond you. In New York City, you guys have risen again over and over and over. I mean, this is the most resilient city, I believe, in America. You are built for resilience. And uh, it's just a testament of who you are as, as a people and what you bring to us. Um, Californians, we are learning to grow in resilience. Amen. <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> just teasing. <laughs> My husband and I, are, we have this little poem. It's like, you might be a snowflake if, you know, like the smallest thing gets you to freak out. But that's not New York. That is not New York. You guys um, carry such a rich history, and I really honor, really honor that history. So let's pray and just get into the Word of God this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just ask for your great grace to come. Yeah, that you would just touch us today. 
thank you, Holy Spirit, for each person in this room and even for each family that they represent, God. I thank you that you are at work in our individual lives, but also as a family. In our grandparents and in our children, I thank you for the next generation, God. I just pray that this church would continue to host the next generation, God. Holy Spirit, that you would seek and save the lost through this church, God. That orphans would find a home in this place. That the addict would find a home. That the destitute would find a home. I thank you, Jesus, that when you're lifted up, you draw all men to yourself. So I ask, God, that you would be magnified, even today in our own lives, God, that you would be magnified. Yeah, I really do feel like um, a word I gave to the leaders the other day is reparenting a generation. And I feel like this church is so strategic as a model of how to reparent people into family. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. So, Lord, I just thank you for the multiplication you are doing over this body. I thank you, God, uh, for the testimony of Houston. When I went to Houston last spring, it was a church of about 100, and in a week's time, they grew by 70 people just through breakthrough. And so, God, we just ask, God, that you would do it again, that healthy family would be put on display, and that those who are aching for, for that connection, God, would find you in family, God. We ask that you do it in Life Center, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 14 with me. Pastor Bill kind of set this up, and he didn't even know. I have a pastor. His name is Pastor Bill, but we don't call him Pastor Bill. We just call him Bill. So where we are, we call each other just by our first names, so I get thrown off a little when somebody calls me Pastor Leslie, but it's great. It's great, too. It's great. 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 1. It says, Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and comfort. I'm going to talk today about prophetic comfort. Uh, Go ahead and look up at me. So the 2019, we were in a staff meeting, And our prophetic ministry director, Ben Armstrong, we were having a a time together. God bless you. And and he said, I feel like this is December 2019. I feel like we're about to go into a season. No, this must have been November. We're about to go into a season of um, where the Lord is going to highlight the ministry of prophetic comfort. And as soon as he said that, I thought, oh, my gosh, that is absolutely the truth. Uh, two weeks later, uh, Bethel Church would go through something very traumatic when we lost uh, baby Olive, Callie and Andrew Hagenthal's little girl. And our church rallied together, and we were in a pretty, you know, hard, grieving place um, to, to lose a little child and then to, to rally for resurrection for, for a time. It was a very public. I don't know if, if some of you joined us in that prayer. I'm sure some of you did, and we, we are so grateful for that. And it I hung on to this word of prophetic comfort because um, the first night that that um, we had the, the baby Olive died, the babysitter that was with her was at the prayer meeting. And as you can imagine, being the person, I have permission to share this, by the way, um, the person who was with baby Olive um, was there and uh, at the prayer meeting, and she was... She was desperately in grief to the point of being outside of her mind. Um, and so as soon as I got to the prayer meeting, I said, I, I need to find her. Where is she? And I know her. She's on our BSSM staff. And I ran to the front, and I grabbed her violently. Because I could t- I mean, she was like, you know, 
You ever been in so much grief, you don't, you're not sure where you're at? And, uh, and so, and this is really intense. <laughs> That's okay. Well, it'll be okay. So, <laughs> so I grab her, and I say, I'll call her Louise. Louise, you are a daughter of this house. That is who you are. This is not your fault. And I just began to speak her identity over her. And she came to, she like came out of this spiraling place. And I just began to, to, to wrap my arms around her and comfort her. And because there's so much fear had, had kind of spun her out. You ever been in a fear spiral? And, and prophetic comfort. This is, she didn't need to know, like, this is what the Lord says about the call on your life. She didn't need to hear you know, one day you're going to shape nations. That's not the word, that's not the prophetic comfort. That's not what Paul's talking about when he says pursue love so that you can bring a word of edification, exhortation, and comfort. But we focus so much on the church of the edification and exhortation, we forget that the prophetic is also to bring comfort. Because who is the Holy Spirit? So it's not like he acts outside of himself. Like the very gift of the prophetic is you are imparting the Holy Spirit to another person. He is comfort. And so he exercises comfort when we speak to one another in this way. And so, um, so I, I speak to Louise and, and call her out and just, just held her, obviously, and just begin to speak words of comfort, words of, of identity, because really... We just need to know who we are in that moment, not where we're going. Because the prophetic uh, by nature will show you where you're going, but if you aren't feeling safe enough and comforted, it's really hard to step out and risk when you don't feel safe. Amen? And so then I didn't know that 2020 was coming, right? <laughs> like we already just went through that. And then on the heels of that, um, we went into covid and that's when I started Encounter Rooms, uh, was actually from this word of prophetic comfort. I started something called Encounter Rooms at BSSM where we would just gather and, and minister comfort over, you know, through encounter to you know, so many people. We ministered to over a million people during that time, which is profound for in a year's, no, in just a few months to minister to over a million people. And now we still see, I have students who came to school out of that encounter room, just simply off of a word of prophetic comfort. Because it's really hard uh, for us to receive fully if, if we're not safe. If we're not safe. Go ahead and go with me to John 14. Thank you, God. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. I love this. Oh. That he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. So think about it. The same spirit, like, They've been walking with Jesus. They're like, they feel his very presence with them. And he's trying to communicate, hey, guys, hey, guys, the same spirit that you feel when you're with me, I'm about to put him in you. So you, you don't have anything to be afraid of. He says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Because this is the heart of the role of the Holy Spirit is to be with us all the time. To the same effect that it's just like walking with Jesus in the flesh. Our awareness of him filling us is to me one of the most essential keys to walking out a victorious life in Christ, right? Knowing how much the Holy Spirit enables us to know we're never alone. Do you know that there's such a myth that God is distant? I mean, even in Christendom, we are taught to, um, you know, God came near. It's like God, God is inside of us. 
And yet there are times where he feels more near, right? But it's probably just we are more aware of the reality of his nearness than the essentials that he's now distant or we're not distant. It's kind of a mind-bending thing, I know. But I want you to think about how when you were a child, if you ever got scared and you had healthy parents, because not all parents are healthy, I, I do realize that. Um, if you got scared, what did your mom or your dad do? Let's say you ran across the road and they yelled at you, which that would have happened to me. You run across the road and they're trying to actually keep you safe, but it caused fear in you. You're like, they're like, don't cross the road. And you're like, ah! right? And you're like, freeze. And then your mom runs out, your dad runs out and picks you up and you start crying because of the shock of fear. And you start crying and they're like, it's okay. You're okay. You're okay. How many of you have ever seen a baby like fall down two steps and they're fine, but they're freaking out? Like they just fell off the World Trade Center. Like they're just like, and you just pick them up, and you, a lot of times I would just take my little kids by the face and be like, you're okay, you're okay. And this is what prophetic comfort is. You're okay, you're okay. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to come and send the comforter <laughs> to establish such safety in your life so that part B is you can take great risk. And right now, I would say, New York City, you are in such a position as the church to receive comfort, but to be prophetic comforters everywhere you go. Say, oh, I, I know we just went through hardship, but to just skip over it and just be like, oh, we'll rise again, and you just push it down and don't actually reestablish safety, that's going to create such distance and, and, what's the word I'm looking for? a D word. No. I can't find it. I'm too tired. I can't find it. <laughs> Disconnection, you know, where you, you're actually not able to connect with people, with yourself, with God, because it's like this disassociation. That's the word. We start to disassociate and start to compartmentalize. Like, this is my work life. This is my home life. This is my church life. You know, we weren't called to actually live compartmentalized. We're, we're called into wholeness. And so when we walk in that wholeness, we have to understand that you and I are still just children. God is really on childlikeness in the prophetic right now. And this is why as, as grown-ups, receiving prophetic comfort is sometimes hard for us because we think it is legitimate for a child to receive comfort, but we should just get over it and move on with life. Since when is that healthy? What, when would you ever, t if, if you can't tell it to a child, you probably shouldn't tell it to another person. So if your child falls down and, you, and they brush you off, and this is what gets kids to not actually feel their emotions, you're like, you're like, oh, brush it off. Just brush it off. I mean, I was taught this way. But that, doesn't, that only works to an extent. You can't go through isolation for two years and say, brush it off. That will create so much dysfunction in personal relationship. And if the enemy wants to destroy, if, if, he, if his target is to destroy the body of Christ, he's going to destroy the family. But the greatest opportunity we have in church history today is to show the world healthy family. To show the world, if you fall down, it's okay. We know the Holy Spirit and he's going to comfort you. You don't have to just brush it off. You can actually feel that pain, but then let the Holy Spirit comfort you into your identity, into your future. But if we, if we just skip over and just like, oh, just, just, just rise again. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. That's, that's only going to create an apprehension to take great risk. And if we need anything right now, it's courage to take risk. Courage to take risks, not shrink back or be small, but courage to stand in the face of opposition. So that, I mean, a whole generation of what is uh, being taught to our children right now. If the church 
uh, doesn't rise to, to meet the vomit that is being spewed by the enemy towards trying to confuse our children, like, what are we going to do about it? Like, I take personal responsibility to say, not on my watch. I love that you guys are a house of prayer because it, obvi- it starts in prayer. It starts in prayer. I mean, the burn, I probably would have thought it was an exercise thing too because anytime I'm exercising, I feel burned somewhere in my body. It's, I, just start, I just got a physical trainer. Honestly, I just got a personal trainer and I couldn't walk for three days. I have stairs. I'm like, stairs. But that's what it means is, is being captivated by Jesus, the burning man. Being captivated by the Jersey, by the Jersey man. <laughs> Jersey. Okay, let's keep going. So Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans and I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live and you will live also. This is so key, guys. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. I want you to think about that. <laughs> that is such good news. He's like, oh, I went to, the, to heaven, back to the Father, but I actually still live and so will you. And if you understand the power of the Holy Spirit, you understand how fully alive we really are. We, we are so fully alive. I was um, in my office. No, I'm going I'm to go to a different story. Uh, about three years ago, I was going through a real health journey where I couldn't feel my arms, I lost all um, strength in both of my arms, and so I start freaking out a little bit. I go to the doctor, I lose um, feeling in my leg, I start, my whole face starts going numb, my eyeballs are going cold. And so it was, it was pretty intense because it's um, signs of some pretty severe diseases, and I had a neurologist from the Mayo Clinic in first year. So, Jesus loves me. So. I have like one of the top neurologists in the country in first year. And she, her, her little husband, so I'm like sharing my symptoms one day in first year because I just share them with them, everything that's going on in my life. And uh, literally the, the neurologist's husband comes to me and he goes, hey, I just want to let you know who my wife is and she thinks you should see her. I'm like, oh, no, this is not a good sign, right? When a neurologist is asking to see you, it's not good. So we, it, it was, I'm, I can make light of it now because I'm standing here today, but um, they began to run tests on me for MS, Lyme's disease, other crazy, you know, incurable things without Jesus. And when you're going through a season where you don't know what's wrong with you, and yet, um, and you're going through all these tests, you're going through MRIs, I was having, I had a brain scan, and then neck, we ended up finding out that, you know, I had an injury in my neck, because I did have a memory of falling when someone prayed for me, someone prayed for me, and then another pastor landed on my neck, so the concrete and the pastor, the impact of that pushed my L5 into my spinal cord, I know, it's so fun. So, um, and so it was causing all these crazy things going on in my life. And so as I'm walking through this process, obviously I got physical therapy, I'm fine, I don't have any crazy things, but I didn't know this for three months. So I'm going through this three-month process. Have you ever been through like getting tests done on you because they can't figure out what's wrong with you? It's really like scary. And so Chris Valentin, he would come to me and he would be like, you're going to be okay. He, he's not prophesying over my future. He's just saying, you're going to be okay. Okay. He would text me, how you doing today? You're going to make it through this. One time I'm in worship and I'm just before Jesus. And I'm just like, Lord, am I going to be okay? Like, I love that Chris is telling me this, but I actually need to hear from the great prophet. 
Jesus, that I'm going to be okay. <laughs> Honestly. So I'm before him in worship, and literally Jesus walks up to me, and he just puts his hands on my face, and I look at him, and he says the same words, you're going to be okay. And that's when I knew it doesn't matter even what happens. Jesus has told me I'm going to be okay. He didn't tell me about my future. He didn't tell me, one day you're going to stand before New York City. None of that even, I didn't even care at that point. And so when prophetic comfort came to me, it just gave me the safety to know I was going to be okay today. And right now with where we're at as a body of Christ, we just need to hear Jesus say, it's going to be okay. We just need him to take us by the face and say, all the financial things that you're facing right now, you're going to be okay. All of the marital tension that you are feeling right now, you're going to be okay. All of the anxiety that you feel every time you go into a public setting. For some of you, just coming to church today was anxious because you're, you learned how to live on your own. And now you're trying to reconnect with what living in community feels like. And it's a little anxious. You're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And so taking the time to, to view yourself as just a little child that just needs comfort. Just needs comfort. Just needs to hear. You're going to be okay. Just having the Holy Spirit come like a blanket and wrap you up in, in his softness and in his covering. Because Jesus promised, I'm not going to leave you alone. You know, the East Coast, we, we actually, for, for me personally, took pride in being independent and self-sufficient. And my husband had to break that self-sufficiency out of me because he used to hold, we used to have to hold hands. He always made me hold hands. And Tom would, Tom, my, my husband's very strong as well. Two strong humans. There's never been a lack of sparks in our marriage. Good and bad. <laughs> we were passionate. He used to do this. He occasionally still does this. He'll, he would make me hold both his hands Look at me. Tell me you need me. Tell me you need me. I want you. No, tell me you need me. I, I really don't actually need you, but I want you. Wanting you is more powerful than needing you, honey. No. Tell me you need me. I'm like, ah! He's just killing this self-sufficient, independent person that I was celebrated as my whole life. <laughs> I wasn't able to acknowledge my need because I had to go back and unlearn some of the things I learned as a child. Because we need the Holy Spirit's comfort. We need him to be a father to us. We need to be like little children. Sometimes I, I do this exercise where I have people imagine themselves when they remember being the most innocent and trust, trusting. Because if you can imagine what you were like as a child, just trusting and innocent, it will help you connect to putting that trust in the Lord that's unfiltered. Right? Because we have so much compassion for ourselves as children. And we acknowledge, oh, kids need a lot of things. I mean, they do. Kids need a lot of things. But Jesus said, unless you approach the kingdom like a little child, you can't actually receive it. And honestly, the, 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 break, the, the way that, that we as the world have gone through tragedy, how we get back up for this will produce different types of fruit. If it leads us to be more isolated and now more independent, it will produce a fruit that is not communal, which is how we were created. It is going against the very instinct of how the Lord set things up. 
But if we respond where we come together and we build deeper bonds, because everyone is hungry for bonds, that's why you have these crazy things like metaverse and alternate realities is because people don't feel safe in reality, so they control an alternate reality. But if we can allow the Holy Spirit to comfort us in our current reality, where we currently are, where Jesus can walk up to us and say, you're going to be okay. And we receive the comforter as the source of our comfort. Then when we want to run away, we won't run into the metaverse for alternate reality reasons. But we will run to humankind, which actually still is the solution of bonding. We all have such, you know, you ever hear, I studied uh, early childhood education, bond and attachment, the first five years of every child's life is essential because of bond and attachment. You learn how to just create connection with humans so that I can walk into a room and feel a level of connection with strangers because of bond and attachment reasons. But if you didn't get that as a child, you can walk into any room and you will always feel like an outsider. This is why the Lord reparents us. This is why learning the comfort of the Holy Spirit is key, not just for yourself, but for those you work with. Those that are your neighbors, that, that just need a Christian to come alongside of them and say, I know you're facing a lot with the death of your loved ones, but you're going to be okay. There's a Holy Spirit, and he wants to comfort you in this. And you just invite his presence to come and touch your neighbor. This is being a minister of the prophetic. You don't have to worry about getting this crazy word about their future. Just get a comforting word for your neighbor, and it will change their life. Some of the most profound moments in my life have nothing to do with someone telling me about my future. Because my future is not as relevant if I don't feel safe in my present. But when I feel safe in my present, it gives me courage to step out. Like us coming to New York City was a huge risk for for Joel and I. Because I basically had to say, hey, I need all this money and I need you to send me to New York City with like 100 people. And obviously Chris Valentin is my boss. And he said, well, it's not in my heart, but if it's in yours, I'll support you. And he came just to support me. Dang. Because that was risk to come rent out a huge facility after COVID. Huge for, for us. If I didn't feel safe that my father had my back, it'd be hard to do it. It'd be hard to take risk when I don't feel safe. It's, it's, it's just like children. It's just like children. We're all just, I mean, I think C.S. Lewis was the most brilliant theologian because the way he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia is the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. It's the gospel story through the eyes of children because we are kings and queens in one world and children in another. And that is absolutely what we are. We, we never lose that we are children of God. He doesn't say, and now you are my adults. I'm calling all of my adults <laughs> to my throne. Over and over again, he's like, my children, my children. He represents himself as a father. He represents himself as a father. Thanks, God. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. The vine says that comfort in that First Corinthians 14 is speaking closely to someone in tenderness. Speaking closely to someone in tenderness, prophetic comfort, ministering the Holy Spirit to God's children. Some of you have been hanging on so tightly, you're not sure 
if you let go, your, your whole life will fall apart. I've been in those moments where I'm like, I'm just hanging on. And ultimately, the Lord reveals my lack of trust that he's holding me together, not me holding me together. And sometimes when we want to hold ourselves together, we miss out on the intimacy of letting him hold us together. Because ultimately, Colossians says that he holds all things together. He holds all things together. Your very life, your very business, your marriage, your children, your future. He holds all things together. And becoming a, a minister of prophetic comfort, think about, think about the person at the grocery store who is just checking out, and they just look stressed. You know, it's like stress, checking out. I don't know if this, they do this anymore, but whatever they do. And you just come with a smile, and you speak tenderly a word of comfort to that cashier that brings ease to their day. You just opened the door. You just planted the seed for the gospel. Because when we don't feel safe, it's really going to be sometimes hard. I mean, New York City is really open to the gospel right now. Did you know that? It really is. I'm really excited about what you guys have planned. Like, I really believe like the growth of this church over this next year is going to be so profound. But first receiving comfort yourself and then becoming an expert at looking for people who need his comfort. It's a skill. It's an art. But it's hard to give away what you haven't first received. So right now we're just going to take a moment. Some of you just need to hear, well done for hanging on. Like, oh, the resilience and the perseverance. So beautiful. Just let the Father speak to you. Well done. Let him comfort you in what you've faced, what you've already faced. Let him comfort you. Thanks, God. Thanks, Holy Spirit. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit if your heart feels safe right now. Sometimes we pretend we feel safe, but at our core, we're not sure. And so the Holy Spirit's a revealer, and he wants to reveal. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, do I feel safe in my present life? Not in the future, in my present life. Do I feel safe? Thanks, God. Safety is a basic need of humanity. Thank you, God. Now just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, You'd wrap me up in your safety today, God. You wrap me up in your ability to comfort me. Thanks, God. For some of you, it's a little challenging because you haven't really um, been in, you know, emotionally in tune with what's going on. That's totally okay. Just start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Just start with like, God, I, I need your comfort. And you might not even know why. <laughs> That's okay. God, I need your comfort. Just come right now, Holy Spirit. You're going to be okay. He has incredible words for your future, but right now you just need to hear in your present state, you're going to be okay. He's holding you together. He's holding this church together. Thanks, God. He's 
holding your family together. It's your finances. He's holding them together. All that stress. imagine a big blanket coming around you right now. If you need to imagine yourself as a little child, I do this all the time where I have people imagine themselves at five or eight years old. Sometimes we can receive as children, but know that same person sitting in that seat is that same five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> Spirit, you need his comfort. Oh, just like Tom used to make me say, tell me you need me. I want you to just, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you. I don't want, I've been fighting too long on my own. I just need you, God. I need you, God. child, I just say, pick me up, Father. Pick me up, Father. Pick me up, God. I don't want to pick myself up. I want you to pick me up, God. I want you to pick me up. Thank you, God. <laughs> so you just need to actually, like, put your hands up or down, whatever, just kind of make a, ask the Holy Spirit just to show you how to give it to Him. God, I, I just give you, even my grit, just grinding out life, I just give it to you, God. Whew, just felt that lift right there. I just give it to you, God. I just release all the tension, all of the tension. I just give it to you, God. All the stress, all of the, the mental rat race in my head, the spinning out of fear. In Jesus' name, I just thank you that you don't have to be afraid. You're not alone. He didn't leave you alone to figure it out. I just keep coming back to finances. I feel like there's such fear over provision right now. And I want you to just receive comfort for provision right now stress of finances, God, that you would come, come, God, come. We just give it to you. We give it to you. We would feel safe in your provision, God. We feel safe in your provision, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, God. Thank you, been dealing with just mental races like accusation crazy thoughts just put your hand on your head right now like your your thoughts won't stop racing in Jesus name I just command the peace of God to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus I thank you that every mind would be stilled in your peace and in your safety in Jesus name in Jesus name 
we just lift off. We just lift off every tormenting thought, every thought of fear in Jesus' name. We just receive the mind of Christ, the helmet of salvation. Ephesians 6 declares to put on the helmet of salvation. So I just declare the peace of God would guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Thank you, God, for your mind, for your thoughts, thoughts of peace. Thank you, God, thoughts of peace. already starting to feel lighter but I feel like there's another layer so God just let the Holy Spirit comfort you <sighs> thank you God I don't know about you but I'm not the best the best version of myself when I'm when I don't feel safe we all, you know, fear makes people crazy. You ever hear that? Yeah. And so, Lord, I just thank you for your safety right now. Where we've partnered with fear, we just break that partnership right now in Jesus' name. If you need to say that out loud, just do it. Say, I break partnership with fear. I break partnership with fear. Fear you're not my friend. Fear you're not keeping me safe. Holy Spirit, you are my safety. Just, just declare that over your heart. Holy Spirit, you are my safety. Ah, <laughs> oh, thanks, God. Thanks, God. Thank you, God. You're such a comforter. Thank you, God. Oh, he's just oh, he's so kind. He's so kind. you need to actually just breathe a little bit like actually take deep breaths I do this all the time thank you God this is called a divine exchange it's where you exchange what you're carrying for what he's carrying <laughs> thanks God <laughs> thank you God oh, thank you Holy Spirit We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.